welcome to Lincoln. We're a city smack dab in the middle of the country. We're a city that's home to Nebraska's state government, the University of Nebraska, and a host of thriving businesses. We're a city that's loaded with things to do, places to go, and friendly people to meet. This podcast, simply called Lincoln, is designed to help you get to know the people of Lincoln, what makes them tick, and why they're excited to live here. Each episode will feature another of our residents just talking about who they are, what they do, and how they got here. I'm Randy Bretz, and joining me for these conversations is Marilyn Moore. Years ago, Marilyn moved here to go to college and anticipated an exciting life somewhere out there. But she never left Lincoln. She's been in the classroom and served in leaderships in our public schools and one of the colleges here. I moved here with my family for a job at the university and to further my education. We thought we'd be here for two or three years, and that was 40 years ago. The people of Lincoln make this community special. We want you to get to know them. We hope you'll enjoy listening to these conversations as much as we have putting them together. And now, let's meet someone who makes Lincoln their home. We're sitting here with Benny Schaub. Benny Schaub is a Nebraskan by choice. I love that. Nailed it. And Benny uh, moved here from Kentucky. He uh, was in graduate school. I'll kind of get you started there. I appreciate that. And, and now Benny serves as a city councilman, works uh, at the state of Nebraska, and everywhere I go in Lincoln, I see you. You are just hyper-involved. But I'd like to have you tell your Lincoln story. How did you get here, or why do you like Lincoln, or or all of the above? Yeah, all of the above would be helpful. Yeah, I as you said, I grew up in Kentucky. I moved to Nebraska to do some graduate work at the university, finished my coursework, started on the PhD, and got more involved in the community. As with lots of graduate students, we come, we start, we get distracted, and we never finish. <laughs> uh, I got a taught for a year at Doan College in Crete. I Got involved with community groups in the, in, the, in the city proper, doing volunteer work, and just loved the feel of being in Nebraska. I grew up in the South, and it's a different vibe than it is here in Lincoln. Lincoln is not perfect, but it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I found friends, found family, found home here. So my dad and I still talk, and he calls us, I thought you were just going to go out there for three or four years and come back. <laughs> How many years ago was that? That was... It'll be 20 in August. Oh, my goodness. So I mean, your dad has probably concluded you're not coming yes, back. He's dead. Well, I don't know. He, he called you <laughs> he, he still asking. He's still asking. <laughs> Are you about done out there yet? <laughs> yeah, I moved here in August, August 18th, 1998. So I'm closing on my 20th year. Yeah. And uh, every day is still fun. There are some days when there are challenges, but I, I tend to be a glass half full kind of guy. So every day, even the challenges are fun. Now, I know you're involved in a lot of things. Uh, let's Before we get into the city council side of things, what are some of the uh, boards or commissions and, and those kind of volunteer things that you do in the, in the community? Well, I'm currently on the board of the Malone Community Center mm-hmm. and the uh, Indian Center Incorporated Board and the Lux Center for the Arts Board. Those are official board duties. I try to spend as much time with the Hispanic Center Board as I can and do spend some time with some sororities and fraternities and doing community service work. Usually if I get a chance to volunteer 
and do something. And it's much easier if you can just pick up trash or sweep the floors. But if whatever they need, I like to okay. dive in and help. And and why are you so involved? You do you, do you not play golf or, 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 or baseball? or, or, or? <laughs> I own golf clubs, but what I do with them probably is not considered playing golf. Yeah. I usually play one mulligan per stroke. Okay. Yeah, but I, I want to blame my father. My father and I, had I, he and I talk on the phone a couple times a week. He's 82 uh-huh. and just retired from his job after 65 years working oh for the same company. So I think it's a little genetic. Mm-hmm. And... And he and I were talking about some things that when we were little, things that he did that I found myself doing as an adult, more community service, helping others, doing things for people. There wasn't a lot of money growing up, but there was a lot of time and energy, and so we mm-hmm. didn't expel those things. It Honestly, it's a little selfish. It just makes me feel good. I just feel good when I'm knowing that you walk into a room and there's something going to happen and you get to dive in and move chairs or tables and then meet more people. And then at the end of the day, it's all done and you've done something positive. So let's switch to city council. Yes. Uh, you were elected in 2017. 2017. I just finished my first year. Uh-huh. I'm the rookie city councilman. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a meeting the other night. I noticed you were awfully quiet. Yeah. And I thought, well, he's putting in his first year where you usually sit and listen and, and so on. But uh, how? Uh, what motivated you to do that? It, it kind of goes a little bit back to the community involvement. I'm lucky. I... I want to be involved in Lincoln, and I started joining groups, one of which is Leadership Lincoln, which was really Mm -hmm. helpful to me. It helped me develop more connections. Uh, Lincolnites are very wonderful and giving people, so when you say, I'd like to help or I'd like to join, they say, sure. And if you ask enough questions, volunteer enough, you get connected. And I met a lot of people that could share knowledge with me about how things worked. City government, nonprofits, university systems. Mm -hmm. And then I would volunteer with community organizations where people didn't have that knowledge or those connections. And I thought maybe I could be or start to serve or build some type of network where we can actually bridge that gap between the knows and don't knows, the haves and the have-nots, the mm-hmm. representatives and the not representatives. And I wanted to try to start building that gap by being one of the first people to engage in it. Hey, my recollection is that you were elected to one of the at-large seats, yes. which means that you had to campaign across the whole community. And I, I'm just interested in what you learned about the community as as a part of campaigning. What did what did you know on election night that you hadn't known when you set out to to uh, to become a candidate? I'm gonna. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to answer your question specifically, but I do. So I decided I was going to do this. I talked to my partner Kate said no this is what I want to do and she said why <laughs> yeah and I, and I said I think I can help it's kind of on my bucket list I want to see what this is like I've seen people do it I don't think they always do it right I think I have a slightly better model so I was enthusiastic this was going to be the easiest thing ever I've met everybody in Lincoln all 300,000 of them I just did and as the campaign progressed and I walked a few neighborhoods made a few phone calls did lots of public appearances and about three weeks out, I said to myself, this was the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life. What were you thinking? Why didn't I listen to Kate? Why didn't I listen to Kate? She was right. Yeah. And then um, election night, the numbers were in my favor. They were. And I thought, wow. This, that was almost a Sally Fields moment. You love me. You really, really love me. Mm-hmm. But, so I was a little surprised and excited. And then it's been a bigger learning curve ever since. I 
I really like people. I like connecting with people. And I find when, as a city councilman now, most people really just want to be heard. I had a meeting with some, uh, with the Home Builders Association on Tuesday. And they said, we just like to be part of the conversation. We know we're not always going to get what we want, but we just like to be included in the conversation. And I find that's what most people want. They mm -hmm. want their opinion heard. And then I think when we get a critical mass of enough opinions, as we did with the JPA and the interlocal agreement recently, we make a decision to try to, to make the lives better for as many people as we can. When you knocked on all those doors, did you find people, were they willing to open their door and talk to you and, and listen to what you had to say? Was, was that a positive experience? There was only one less than positive. Again, half full kind of guy. So they're all positive experiences. Even when there's someone who disagrees with me, I learn why they disagree mm -hmm. with me and it gives me a chance to see what I can do to move to the direction. Um, it's a citywide race. I did not lock, knock on all of the doors. I well, of course on not. quite a few of them. But I remember knocking on the door in the Weatherby neighborhood. And I knocked on the door of a gentleman. We had a long conversation about taxes and the hay market and roads and sidewalks. And then he asked me how I felt about uh, religious value issues. And my answer was not what he wanted. And I could see that. Uh, I said, well, you know, I'm not sure if I persuaded you or you persuaded me, but we had a conversation. I know where you are now. And... If you're willing to vote for me, I'll listen to you in the future. I think we agree on all these other things, but we've kind of deviated a little bit on the value issues. But we're not that far apart. And he said, well, I don't know if I can vote for you, but I appreciate you stopping by. And I think that was a positive. He actually, we didn't yell at each other. We didn't call each other names. We shook hands and parted amicably. And I was thinking, how can I do this better in the future? I don't know that I could. I just stopped when we shared our opinions and it worked out pretty well. I knocked on a few doors for you. I appreciate that. And I had, most of them were very open and, and you know, listened and shared an opinion. And then I had one fellow that asked what party you were with. And I told him, he said, well, there's, then there's no conversation. <laughs> I find that unusual because most people in Lincoln are, are open. It doesn't matter. Well, isn't the city council supposed to be bipartisan? Or, or nonpartisan. Non it's a nonpartisan office. Uh -huh. uh, we do bring our political, I'm going to say baggage is the wrong word, our political ideologies with us. Yeah. But then um, initially there were seven of us campaigning for three seats. And I made friends with each one of the candidates, uh, and I like them all. But I kind of connected a little better with Roy Christensen, who happens to be from a different political ideology than mm -hmm. And he and I made a pact after we got elected that we spend every other weekend we go out to dinner together, or do an event together, we go to museums or, or shows or something, and we compare notes, and we see how far apart we are or how close together we are. And I think building that relationship, and he's a friend, mm -hmm. and he has a different ideology, but we, the friendship kind of overpowers the disagreement. And I think that if we can do more of that, talking with people, we find that we're not that far apart. When I was growing up, it was... Democrats and Republicans liked all the same things. It was always a question of how we're going to pay for them. Mm -hmm. Which, where were we going to get the money? And I think we deviated away from that. Of, I can't talk to you just because of your label. I'd like us to move back to them. What's, what's uh, in, a, in a real big picture, what's one of the major issues that you think Lincoln is facing as a city? 
uh, that that you have before you or, or, or you will have before you the council. And I think it's an issue that we all are aware of. And this is I just changed my first year, and now we're entering the budget cycle where we mm -hmm. have to see what money is available there. And I'm concerned because of the growth in the city, some in the core in the Haymarket, a lot around the outer edges, and the need for services, the list of things that are going undone in the city. And the ever-looming question of taxes. Mm -hmm. Our costs have gone up. Wages for the working class haven't gone up as much. Expensive have gone up everywhere. But the tax, we've always tried to make sure the tax levy and with property valuations was somewhat neutral so it didn't hurt taxpayers. While expenses have gone up, we've kind of kept the same tax income or tax revenue stable for about the last 10, maybe 15 years. And we have to have a hard grown-up conversation about what do we want to cut from the list of wants and needs, or do we want to raise more revenue? Mm -hmm. That's going to be tough. That'll it's be a going challenge. To be tough. It's going to be a. It will be a challenge. I think you've just identified a reality of growth, and and I think all of us know that it is far better to be in a city that's growing than a city that's that is just holding steady, or or a city that's getting smaller. There are challenges with growth um, also, and the the expanding, just expanding service area, more people that uh, reasonably expect city services, mm -hmm. um, that's the challenge of growth. And hardly ever does growth generate the revenue to pay for it initially. And that's just kind of, that that's where the Lincoln, yeah. where Lincoln community is right now. Well, we're going to do a deep dive into the numbers of the budget, and I'm looking forward to spending some more time. That was one of the reasons I had my conversation with the home builders, so I can understand a little bit more of their mm -hmm. perspective. I look forward to speaking with them again and other people to see if I can get an understanding, and hopefully we can re reach an agreement where everybody wins. And I'm, I'm aware that someone won't win as much as they like, and mm -hmm. I'd like to try to put as much effort into making it equitable as possible. What about, uh, tell us about what you do for the state. I am a program analyst in unemployment tax. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit. I have a bachelor's degree in general studies from Western Kentucky University and a mm -hmm. master's in sociology. The general studies was mostly radio, television, news production, news gathering. And then I went back and finished the degree and got my last classes were on social inequality. Went back and got a master's degree in what I love to call medical sociology. It's basically medical data analysis. Okay. So I took those data analysis skills and that's Basically, what I do for the state of Nebraska, I look at trends in uh, in, in new startups for employers here in the, in the state, mm -hmm. and and the collection of employment taxes and the distribution of unemployment benefits, and lots of other little aspects. It's basically an on-call job where someone will say, "I need to know how many left-handed widget makers are in North Platte." <laughs> And, and you so say, you I have a database for that. Said, when do you need it? I said, I'm in a meeting now. I needed it five minutes ago. And so we run some analysis and give the best guess projection, projection on last quarter's data because still yeah. a little bit of a lag in the data. What, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the state. Uh, what's your general feeling? I know you're sitting in an office. Yeah. Uh, but what's your general feeling about the state overall, uh, the health of it and what's going on? I was at breakfast yesterday, the Economic Development Summit. Uh -huh. The chamber put it on, and the governor spoke, and he talked about all the economic growth. He gave some numbers and lots of great numbers, and I have a booklet somewhere. But overall, the state is doing well. It's, you know, we have the lowest unemployment rate ever. I'm showing a, a, 
Pamela too, <laughs> my host. Unemployment is down. Uh-huh. Everyone seems to be working at least one job, sometimes two and three. Um, growth is good. Um, there's a shortage of housing in Lincoln, and that's all. That's housing for people who live here, and which is also housing for workers. There seems mm-hmm. to be a shortage in the workforce, but the things are all, the the problems are all good problems to have. Um, we, there are chances for growth. There are chances for development. There are chances to keep moving forward as a state. Our unemployment is what. Between three and four percent. It's lower than that. I want to say like two point nine. Which means that we really need people. Right. We yeah, need that's, people. I think I always learned in school that unemployment rate of four was where you really wanted to be. Four mm-hmm. was about the optimal level. So yeah. We're below. Yeah. We're running behind on workers. Is there a particular sector of the business economy that you feel is uh, healthier than others? You mentioned startups. Are, are there a lot of startups happening across the state? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the first part of your question. Is there one sector over another? I uh-huh. don't know the answer. I'm sure there is. That's not something I've looked at. I do know in, in my division of unemployment, where we help people establish new accounts, new employers, and we do about three thousand a quarter, every about twelve thousand a year, mm-hmm. new company startups in in the state of Nebraska. I think most people would be really stunned to hear that number. Yeah. It's, it, we, I work as an, an analyst. We have a status unit, and that's all they do. There are about seven people, and that's all they do is help new companies establish, all, get all the paperwork done, mm-hmm. get everything filed properly. Uh, you said 12000 Yeah, a year. See, you're stunned at that. <laughs> I, I am. The last, I, I love knowing that. The last time I looked at the numbers, there were about 60,000 active employers in the state of Nebraska. Hmm. And though a few of those will drop off as years go sure. on, but mm-hmm. we'll add some more in it. I think when I first started doing the job in 2013, there were about 52,000 active employers with workers. So it's kind of a, you know, and then again, some drop off, some close, go out of business, but new startups. So it's remained pretty constant in an upward trend. One of the purposes of doing these podcasts is to hopefully either attract people to Nebraska, like from Kentucky and Illinois and places like that, or to uh, encourage people from here that have moved away to come back. So let me ask you, uh, you moved here from Kentucky. I did. uh, And and you've been here, what, you said 20 years? Yeah, 19 years. And so... You talk to somebody else in Kentucky or Illinois or Tennessee, and they say, "Why do you? Why Nebraska? What would you say?" Yeah, they usually it's like Nebraska. <laughs> Where is <laughs> that? It's a very inquisitive thing. They think, "Isn't it cold out there?" Uh huh. And I say, "Well, it used to be." <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 when I first thought about the idea of Nebraska, I thought Nebraska and Alaska were synonymous. Mm-hmm. I it, and I moved out here with heavy winter coats in July and August, and it didn't go over. But I tell people that Nebraska is a lot of, it's, there are lots of opportunities here. People are nice. The weather is a little warmer in the summer than you think, and, and not as cold in the winters it used to be. We've had a lot of mild winters lately. But there's just plenty of things to do and see. When I came from Kentucky and went to the university, the university was, it had started a new initiative where it was committed to diversity, and it was inviting more diverse faculty mm-hmm. and grad students to the university. And I would often meet people from 
the South and the Far West, and they would show up in Lincoln and say, this is not like home. I don't like it here. And they would stay maybe a semester or a year and then move back to their hometown. And someone asked me, why didn't you do that? I thought, There's, I know everything at home already. I've been, I've seen all those things. These are all new opportunities. And there's, there's a new opportunity, Checkfest in Wilbur or, or St. Patrick's Day in O'Neill, mm-hmm. the Golden Spike Tower in North Black. Every summer I take a trip west to Nebraska and I discover something I didn't see the summer before. There are just so many opportunities and so much, so many fun things to do. It's a huge state with not very many people. Yeah, there are a lot more cows than there are people. <laughs> but all the people are good and fun. One of the things that um, people in Lincoln talk about is the quality of life, and we usually just use that phrase. I mean, you've lived here 20 years. What, what would you say contributes to the quality of life in Lincoln? Well, I was a cyclist when I lived in Kentucky, and we have lots of paved roads there. So I, when I, my first few weeks here, I didn't know anyone. I'd get on the bike and ride east on the Mopac Trail out to Eagle. And it was a nice ride every day on the first time. I thought, this is great. I wish we had something like this in Kentucky. You normally rode on major, major roads with farm equipment and cars. That's good for me. There's lots of theater things to do, movies and live theater. There's a growing music scene here. There are tons of museums and art galleries. There's a diversity of food that just keeps getting bigger every day. I would. I had food from Stir 22 last night, which is Caribbean. And it was, it was a little spicier for my palate than I'm comfortable with, but <laughs> it was fun. And there's just so many things. that If you really want to be entertained and educated in the community, the opportunities are there. You just have to ask a friend, open the Journal Star, do a quick Google search of food near me. And there's plenty of things to do. There's a diversity of opportunities in the city that, I, it may have existed in Kentucky, but I didn't see it. And it was just there are more things to do, more opportunities. It does enhance quality of life. You mentioned, or Randy mentioned, that you're on the board of the of the Lux Arts Center. Yes. How did you get connected there? And and tell us a little bit about that that little gem in Northeast Lincoln. Well, I bumped into somebody, and I was, as you guys know, and it may be your audience to know that we, during the summer months, actually all year round, we have a Friday, first Friday mm-hmm. gallery walk, something that I love doing. And I bumped into someone there, and I was standing beside at an exhibit, and I didn't quite get it. And it was, it was, they could see that I was visibly moved, but not in a positive way. I didn't quite, I was trying to make sense of this exhibit. And we started talking about outsider art and how art is defined. And I said, I like Lincoln because of that, because it doesn't really put restrictions on how you define art. And that person was connected with the Lux Center, and they, they, we shared a perspective on mm-hmm. that. And the Lux try, it does a, a gallery walk night too on the first Fridays, but it tries to bring in artists that are not traditionally considered art. Performance art, spoken word art, avant-garde paintings and drawings and, and pottery. They're perspective on art is very wide and inclusive and that's something I think there's a lot of people that we they don't fit in our standard definition of art and they get left out Lux does a really good job of trying to include them and include everyone art is everything it sounds like a great match for who you are and the values that you have (laughs) I think it was a pretty good match it's a good match so uh one more thing uh tell us a little bit more about the Malone Center the Malone Community Center is considered the African-American or the uh, ethnic minority community center. Uh-huh. It's just, it's almost in the heart of the city. It's just a little bit east of the main downtown. 
it's been it was originally an urban league and then later converted converted to a community center it's been established there for some time and it's um it's growing we've got a new director and some of the board members have been, added new board members and new mm -hmm. ideas and it seems to be growing a little bit more it's been traditionally serving the african-american community but it's growing in its diversity and who it serves <clears throat> pardon me sure well I want to say thank you very much for being here. And, and uh, is there something that we didn't we didn't ask you that you're just dying to share? No, I don't. That, yes, everything. I'm dying to share everything. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can limit it to one or two items. Um, I just want to encourage people to think more about their community. We have a, Lincoln is a great and growing community. There's room for everybody and all ideas, and there's usually a park near where you live or some type of community event on the weekend going on near where you are within walking distance. Mm -hmm. And if you'll just take a moment to stop and look around, you'll find out that we live in a great city and there's room for you to be engaged and we'd love to have you. Thank you very much. And thanks, Benny. Thank you for this opportunity. You guys have been great. It's been a great conversation. Well, thanks for listening in as we talk to someone who helps make Lincoln special. If you live here, drop us a note and let us know what you think about Lincoln. If you've moved away, well, we'd love to welcome you back. And if you've only heard about or visited Lincoln, we just know you'd love it here. Join us again and catch someone from Lincoln talking about why they love Lincoln and why you should too.